from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Come on to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Catanosias. And my name is Jeff Stormer. And this is All My Fantasy Children. It's a tabletop-inspired world-building, character creation, and storytelling podcast where each week we take your brilliant listener-submitted prompts and spin them into original fantasy locale, hero, legend, myth, what have you, to help populate our new original fantasy universe we have called Fantasy. And this week, we are continuing our series of uh, new stuff for new listeners, a series we call New Vistas, New Stories. So, welcome. But first, uh, Jeff, I have a question for you. What's up? Um, oh, I had it. What happened to it? Oh, I want to bring back something uh, that's a little from the yesteryear, and that's getting to know you, getting to, getting know, to know you. About you. Um, Jeff, what's your favorite animal? Hmm. Right? These are hard-hitting questions. Welcome to podcasting. you got to have hard-hitting journalism. That is a really good question. I like cats. I just like a cat. I like cats. Just cat a dead. cat? Like a, like a domesticated cat is your favorite just of all cats. time? Cats are great. That's a solid pick. They are delightful. They're little oddball animals. They don't really like you, but like, or they like you, but they won't show it. It's great. It is, the, it is, in fact, the closest thing to having a roommate, I believe. I love it. In I my opinion, it. it is truly like having a roommate is having a cat where it's like, it, you can it can grow to love you, but like you're gonna have to work for it. It's not just free, yeah. you know. Yeah, like you got to work at it. Nice, I love cats that. cats are great. Cats are delight. Can you remind listeners at home what your cat's name is? Carla Tortelli. That's very good. It's a great very cat good. name. It's a very good name. God damn, I really like birds. Um, anymore, I really like blue heron. You know, like the big motherfuckers that are like with the long uh, hyperextended knees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I am still partial. I gotta say, I'm partial to a, a nice, like, rock hopper emperor ass penguin. Like, the, the penguins with the crest on their head, that I think is my number one. You know one. what other animal I love? What? Really, truly, with all of my heart and soul and being. What is uh, that? I, was, I, I got reminded of this um, maybe like a year or so ago. There was like a poll going around of like, what bird are you? And somebody got this result and it awoke in me a lot of very defensive feelings. Yeah. Uh, in which I realized I love this particular <laughs> animal a whole, whole lot. Which animal uh, is that? The an- the result that this this friend of mine got that they were very upset about. And I had to step in and be like, no, this is amazing. These are beautiful animals. It was it was seagull. A seagull is fucking awesome. Seagulls are bored. Like I, I love specifically. So I love specifically boardwalk seagulls. Oh fuck yeah! A like French fry an, stealing, like an angry, yep. surly. I today I've eaten a cigarette, but yep. a hot dog. Yep. And I'm coming for your ankle, seagull. So in uh, in Ocean great. City, New Jersey, they they released I think a bunch of like owls or hawks. I think hawks to try to help with the seagull problem because the <laughs> seagulls were getting out of hand. And well, the, the problem was they were coming to the boardwalk to only get food, and so they would release hawks to kind of like make teach them that like if you come here, you die. And so they stopped. Like it really helped with the seagull problem because it was at the point where if you were at the Ocean City Boardwalk, like you couldn't buy food, you would be like attacked by motherfucking seagulls. I've, I've been to the Ocean City Boardwalk. Uh, it's and bad. The seagull the department. Se- the is seagulls bad. basically run that neighborhood. They, they and do. Honestly, 
it's part of why I love that. Why I love the Ocean City Boardwalk. It's the danger. You just watch so, seagulls descend on people. It's and true. Periodically, you watch two people having a lovely day on the boardwalk have to run inside because six seagulls yeah. are dive bombing. It's them. true, and it's usually like people from out of town or like people who are new to like the Jersey Shore boardwalk yeah. kind of stuff. And they're like, "I'm just going to enjoy these beautiful curly fries." What the fuck <laughs> is happening? I'm like, <laughs> and I, I laugh at their suffering. I love. Boardwalk, like like boardwalk seagulls are oh. the angriest and surliest bird. Yes, and it makes me so profound. Like there is something uniquely, like it is the perfect embodiment of the energy of the New Jersey, uh, so Jersey Shore boardwalk. So is, true. Like of all of the the pictures people get, like I think are often inaccurate of yes. like things that you see on the TV show Jersey Shore. Oh, I the mean, much yeah. truer representation is us is the human embodiment of a seagull strolling along that if you get close to it will go and we'll be like i'm trying to eat a french fry here yeah, yeah. I'm trying to enjoy my lunch see yeah no, for uh, <laughs> listeners unaware i know we talked about the boardwalk before but the boardwalk is this awesome i know you know what a boardwalk i love it is, i love it i'm such a fan of the jersey boardwalk the, the ocean city boardwalk is very unique because ocean city is a dry town so there are no bars on the boardwalk, and it's only family-oriented. So you can have this weird, very wholesome experience that everyone is kind of going for, and, like, nobody fucks with that. And it's cute as shit. I, I, I love any I love any and all boardwalks. Same. I am such a... I am such a boardwalk fan, like walking around, eating curly fries, getting attacked by a seagull, yes. playing mini golf. Yes. Like these are the most wonderful those are those are my like ideal experiences. And it's it's something that I I chase after a lot in my life is the I, the yep. boardwalk experience. It's carnival esque and that's why I love it. And people don't uh, understand. I, I really love I mean, I it is it is it is peak touristy, but like I like the Atlantic City boardwalk is yes. a boardwalk that I'm very fond of. I just I love I love it. I love walking along a boardwalk, playing playing games that I'm obviously going to lose because they've been set up specifically for me to lose my money. Yep. Uh, It's just magic. It is a magical experience. That makes me very happy. And now, if I may, Jeff, I have a uh, to transition like a real podcaster would. And now the subject matter. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Um, So uh, the prompt this week comes to us from our email. Yes, we check that email. That's why we say it at the end of every episode. Email. Wait, we check that email? I do. Oh, okay. I do anyway. Uh, this email comes to us from Landon Meyer and sent 10 brilliant prompts, but we can only choose one. So I chose number four, Moths, the Mark of Haven Moor, which is sick. Okay. All right. And I have an initial pitch that I thought for okay. this. Hit me. So I was looking up, I of course did, by the way, we picked this prompt 20 minutes ago. 15 um, minutes ago, and yeah. so moths are, everybody knows a moth, you know, they, they love the light, they love that kind of stuff, and so I was looking up the attraction to light thing, this is from Wikipedia, moths frequently appear to circle artificial lights, although the reason for this behavior um, is currently unknown. One hypothesis is called celestial or tran- transverse orientation. By maintaining a constant angular relationship to a bright celestial light, such as the moon, they can fly in a straight line. So what I was thinking is... Because moths are eaters. What I'm thinking is this place, Haven Moor, and it's like crest. It's it's like it's on its flag. It's on its everything. The symbology of this moth 
is because it's in a land of like either the day, the days are very short or it's a land of eternal night and they are always searching for light or food sources. See, here's what I want to propose along the same lines. Okay. I was thinking, because I was thinking about this, uh, like there are two kind of things that popped into mind when I started to think about moths and, and the, the idea of like searching for light. And that idea that, like, they are constantly trying to keep a light source in their in their kind of orbit, like, yes. really ties nicely into this. Uh, so I, I did the definition of the word more is a, a tract of, like, basically just, like, a, a large mass of, like, woodland, like, land, right? Like, it is a, it is a, it is a, a, a large tract of land. Okay. What I want to propose is that, is that Haven Moor is quite literally a bioluminescent swamp. Oh, <laughs> And so what I want to say is that that is, in Ugh. fact, like, the idea of moths going to the light is, in fact, entirely literal. Oh. That this swamp simply glows and simply shines like a neon light. And so the reason that the moths are are on the flag is because you don't always know where Haven Moor is. Like, there's no, there's no magical, like, I know how to get there, I always know which direction it is type deal. Yeah. But if you want to get to Haven Moor... You follow the moths that are flying towards a gigantic swamp that glows like a neon light. May I take a twist on this to avoid Please. to I want to avoid the feel of the Mockingbird Festival a bit. Sure, sure, sure. Perhaps the moths of Haven Moor, wherever the moths go, they kind of shape that land to become a ha- Haven Moor, where it's much more like a traveling place like Brigadoon, if you're familiar, where, like, the moths literally shape land to become the Haven Moor. Like, wherever the moths are is Haven Moor. And, like, it shifts literally through magic or whatever. It turns things into a bioluminescent swamp. So what if it's a little bit of... So, hey, listener, we realized we got caught up in some past writing that we had been doing before in previous episodes, so we started again. Anywho, a mar- the mark of Haven Moor, is it something that is on a person, on a tree, on a symbol? Is it something that's on a piece of parchment? Is it something like that? Like, the mark of Haven Moor is a moth, and we don't know what Haven Moor is. Who, if it's a person, it could be a calling card of a hero, you know, it could be lots of things. All we know, it's a mark, whatever hmm. that means. And moths love the light. They they follow a celestial body. That's why they bump into artificial uh, sources of light, because they like to stay in kind of, they follow a light source in order to fly straight, it said on Wikipedia. And so now we must figure out, what do we want to do with this mark of Haven Moor, which is a moth? The what moth. do you think? All right. What do you think for it? Let's moth. Let's put it on the back burner. Let's talk about Haven Moor. Do you want it to be a person, a place, a thing, uh, an idea? You know, things like, what are, you, what are you feeling? I'm thinking this through. Okay. Because Haven Moor does sound like a place. It sounds like a place. That's where my brain goes immediately. Then let's do that. Then let's let's lean into the idea that Haven Moor is a locale. Mm-hmm. And the moth is its mark. We don't have to know what that means just yet. Mm-hmm. What is your first image? What do you see when you think Haven Moor? See, and and this 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 is like uh, I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull a suggestion out from the wasteland. Yes, please, if I may. Yeah. Um, because what I see is is taking that that moth image. What I see is like a place that is glowing. There's a glow yeah. to this place, whether like it is whether it is like so. The visual that I get up front is 
it is this like odd kind of glowing phosphor, you know, like phosphorus glow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of what I visualize, right? Is like, it's not a, it's not a clean glow. It's not like there's a light bulb. It's like lights that are are spiraling and, and, and spitting off like flick, like it's spitting off like glowing bits. You know why, Jeff? Because the mark of Haven Moore is that dust that comes off of a moth. Mm. That's, is that the bioluminescence? Is mm. it the very dust? You know, if you were to touch a moth, you get that stuff on your fingers. They're yeah. like powder. Is it bioluminescent, magical, you know, whatever dust that is from, that's the mark of Haven Moore. Yeah, I is like that. This, this, this bioluminescence, this glow, this... You know that these moths are here. They have, they are, it is maybe their terrain. Is this like, is Haven more a place where there are big fucking moths? Is it dangerous? Is this like a dungeon type feel? You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Is this a place where it's like, you know, nine foot moths or it's just like, it's just, it's pretty and we're just going to talk about it, which is also fine. Like, what are you feeling for, like, what's the, va- what's the, what's the vibe of Haven more? What's the vibe? What's the vibe? The vibe I get is... You're gonna. Aaron is going to laugh because of the content that we left in the wasteland. Yes, left in the cutting room floor. <laughs> Untra. I'm going to use the word untried. <laughs> <laughs> so let me peel back the curtain, listener. We went down a road of a bioluminescent swamp, and we realized that I I paused halfway through it, and I was like, "Wait a minute! This is almost exactly what we did for the cradle catch the cradle catch the untrod episode. We have to go back." So yeah, here we, we are. Spent, we spent 15 minutes like <laughs> building everything, and we were like, "Okay, we're getting a momentum. Wait, this is verbatim what we've done before." Okay, okay, starting up, let's and then go we clap, back, and then we did a clap. Yep, and now um, we're here. So I want to say it's like untrodden danger is the vibe that I get. Like this is because um, I think like aesthetically there are a lot of similarities between this and the Mockingbird Festival that we got to know last episode, and I think the difference is like this is not a place where people go. Yes. I don't think it is necessarily because there are giant moths. I think that I I think in fact the bioluminescent dust is like a small part of it. It's just kind of the the unifying aesthetic detail that kind of like is present of all of these things. May I make a big pitch? Yes. The reason people don't like the uh Haven Moor and moths, the mark of Haven Moor. This they moths create the mark of Haven Moor. These special moths they create the very mark. This glow, this this effect, and I'm thinking phenomena, and it makes me start thinking about swamps and wetlands and mm-hmm. glowing. And I start to think about when you see moths. You know, some of them have that adaptation that gives them eyes on their wings to make them look like a bigger bug. Do you not hallucinate? I'm not implying that kind of like, you know, uh, psychedelic effect. Psychedelic effect. What I'm saying is, does it allow for passage of ghosts? Does it allow, does it create monsters in the swamp? Does it make people not, like, you know, I'm thinking more urban legend type thing where it's like, you don't want to go in there. You'll see things that you don't want to see. So the vibe, the theme of this episode is low-key uh, throwing out pitches that we've thrown out before, but taking them <laughs> in a much different direction. Because I, I have a pitch that I know that we've 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 thrown out as an idea before. Yes, but I want to take it in a very different direction with that that without a lot of the context of the last time that we did it is going to make a much different space. I'm very excited for this. What is it? I think that it brings things to life. Okay, or rather, I think it. it I'm going to say I think it turns things into. Because technically things are already alive. Like, a tree is already alive. Yes. Are you applying a level of sentience? 
it animates things. It animates things and it, it creates maybe maybe it's maybe it's aggression or maybe it's defensiveness, but like it it turns it, it creates combativeness is how I like and and it's a kind of like what I want the next piece of us to build upon is okay. is it anger is it is it defensiveness like but like a tree turns into uh like I'm going to I'm going to stab you with with the limb of my tree and okay. I am I'm I have like vine wit like like the tree turns into a living tree monster Got it. you know uh the swamp water turns into a giant blob thing that will swallow you whole and and drown you in the lake like it brings that that dust stirs things like stirs things and animates things and and it ain't pretty when that happens. So I like this. Yes, it is this is reminiscent of the veil, which is something mm-hmm. completely different. It is also yeah. reminiscent of uh the um uh, plant with hands. But yeah. what I want to posit is that this dust is sprinkled on things and the mo- the moths, the mark of haven more. This is where this very special moth comes to nest. It is where they lay their eggs. It is where they don't set up a community. I'm not trying to do all that. I'm thinking more very natural world. So the, I, I like that, and what and I think we're on the exact same page with what I'm gonna what I'm gonna say to follow that up with. That's a moth's defense mechanism. Yes. Like I, I like the idea. Yeah, I don't think there's a community. I don't think it that there's a. I don't think that there's like a. This is a. This is that. You're right. This is this is nature, right? Like yes, this, yeah, these are, completely. This is the 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 practice of moths. They come to Haven Moor. Haven Moor, quite literally, is just like an, a, a swamp that is full of these moths. They come. They lay eggs. This is the natural life cycle of these of the Haven Moor moth. Yes, and if you know, if we're gonna do this whole thing, like everybody loves to do in their fantasy setting, where it's like magic and nature are one, and this is the case where it's a perfect situation for us to lean into that. Where, like, we've kind of talked about it before at the Haunted Forest, where it's like, what would a magical tree do? Grow really fast, consume, destroy, you know, grip. So I'm thinking that if this moth is like, you know, it is a very average moth. It is not very special. It is very delicate. It might be very large, but perhaps its wings are very... I think it's, I think it's large for a moth. Yes, but not like it's not like nine. It's not. It's not Mothra. Yes. What I was going to say <laughs> is its wings are very thin. It doesn't have a lot of defense mechanisms. It's not particularly frightening in the world of fantasy, where points of light are separated by like massive danger. Something like a moth it, that don't stand a chance, especially because especially birds are very special and powerful in fantasy. I'm thinking that this moth developed a magical adaptation to mm-hmm. literally like. Wherever it, if it's going to lay eggs in, you know, the hollow of a tree, for example, it surround, it sprinkles its dust on like the cattails and the swamp and they all of a sudden grow and like maybe even just hide the tree. Like they what, do here's, something. Well, here's what I want to propose. Here's what I want to propose. I want to take both of our ideas because I think that we were building something very, very cool. The, it, this bioluminescent dust, the mark of Havenmore, quite yeah. literally the mark of Havenmore. Yes. Is this glowing green phosphorescent, you know, spore bits, dust floating in the air, very kind of fungal glow. Yeah. That is the mark of Havenmore. That is the moth mark of Havenmore. Yes. If left alone, if not fucked with. Yeah. It's just pretty and glowing. You know, you can, uh, there are, there are, there are people that will like, uh, uh, if, if someone is to observe that, right? Like, uh, if someone observes that. And just what looks at it or like takes a picture of it or studies it, it's just pretty glowing dust. And once the moth has left, 
maybe it's or maybe it's not always that and it's a it's a it's an ever-present danger but like the idea that like if if left undisturbed or if engaged with peacefully right like if if you're gentle if you're calm if you are in all the ways that like you interact with uh, an animal that has these very obvious defense mechanisms and you treat it gently like you if you pet a pork a porcupine and you pet it the way that you would pet a cat you you know you rub its cheek like yeah you, you like don't touch its quills you don't you, or show you rub aggression. its you rub it you rub its quills and like you rub its quills downward yes. like like it's yes. a cat like you're not like if they're not the, the quills are not going to stick in you if you try and if you if you startle it or you try like if you startle that 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 porcupine it's gonna stab you yes like, yes so what i am picturing here is that like if you walk up and you just like are walking through haven more you can look at the dust you can actually kind of like there are certain spots where maybe a moth has like left and you can kind of brush it with your hand or scrape some of it into a jar but if you if you go to where there is a moth nest and you are going to like steal an egg and that the, the, the to your point like if it has planted that sprayed that moth that 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 moth dust around a hollow tree what is going to happen when you go up to try and like disturb that nest is that tree is going to sprout legs cr- climb out of the earth <laughs> sprout arms pull into a boxing pose and go all right, let's do this. Yeah, like you're going to get killed by a fucking tree, which I'd yeah. like because this is very what I, okay, so here's what I want to pitch just to make it a little more magical. Mm-hmm. Um I'm getting the vibes of the uh the insect uh fungus that kind of takes over their mind in a little bit. Do you know the thing in real life? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that more in a less parasitic way and more of like the moth sprinkles this dust on a plant. It can only work on plants on nothing else. The moth kind of, because the moth is defenseless. The moth is yeah. basically like a, pe- a paper plane on the wind covered in dust that spreads the spore. But its defense mechanism is by controlling the plants of the swamp to defend it. And what, the, what I, what I want to spin on that, I want to add to that because it's extremely good and I love it. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's plant, it's plant mineral or, and this is the important third option, supernatural. What do you mean? Like you control a ghost? Yeah, like if a goat, like and, and like that is you say that like a joke, and I'm laughing when I posit it. But quite literally, if it, if the energy in the wind were to blow in the right direction, and there like a spirit were to be stirred, and this dot like like one of the things, one of the dangers that might await you if you were to threaten the moths of Haven more, is that like a. Because Aaron, picture. I want you to. I want you to visualize this. I'm visualizing. My eyes are closed. Yeah, I a, promise. A capital A, capital A, and I eye roll when I say this. Adventurer, mm-hmm. trot like is is marching through Haven Moor, and like is like, well, I'm gonna steal this egg out of this nest. It's very valuable. And literally, like out of the water comes a shambling ghost covered in phosphorescent, like fungal, glowing dust yeah. that is like lurching towards you to drag you screaming into a swamp where you are never seen again. That's a pretty good adaptation. That rips. Nah, I love it. Can I? I'd like to like to make it so that the moth is doing this. I like yeah. the idea that it's very natural and it's like meaning that the moth is driving the plant. The moth mm-hmm. is controlling the reanimated corpse. It's very Gundam pilot-esque. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I really like this a lot because it creates this very ghost story, this very haunted forest. Like in real life, uh, you know, all these, a lot of myths came from unexplained natural phenomena. 
You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like gods and legends rose from just not understanding how the fucking ocean works. Um, so I do love the idea that the the moths, the mark of Haven Moor is like how I read that in the email. And in reality, it's just there are naturally just these moths that are very defenseless, living this very peaceful life in the swamp of Haven Moor. And if you go and fuck with them, you're and people are like, yeah, that that forest is haunted. Like if you go and you try to perhaps the moths are very pretty. Perhaps they're eggs if you or like if you collect them, people think that you can collect this phosphorescent, you know, powder that does people think it's the powder. There's a magic powder in this forest that brings plants to life. And when people realize that the moth is doing it, they're like, let's capture the fucking moth so we can do this and like get dope haunted forests in our fucking, you know, I want my plants to like fight off and true. Of course, greed becomes a factor in fantasy and people want these moths. Turns out the enemy was capitalism. Yeah, the whole time. Um, I love when people ask if there's like, is there a like a villain in fantasy and i'm always like greed and capitalism capitalism um, like capital like cap yeah capitalism shows up in every single ep yes yes so i i'd like the idea to be that the the legend around the moths of haven moor is that it's this haunted region where the plants come to life and defend it's like when in reality it's just a moth basically using the adaptations that it has to like make itself look bigger like it does in real life but converting that into a fantasy element, which is you get stabbed in the chest by a cattail that's glowing and fucking mm-hmm. you're like, what the fuck? You know, I was just wanted these eggs. <laughs> I think this is dope as shit. I think this is extremely cool. This is cool shit. Can I, uh, do you want to talk a little more about what Haven Moor is like? Yeah. And like the, yeah, yeah. The, Cause it's a swamp. It's a wetland. It's a lowland. I get the idea that it's, it's very, when we'd say this, it's it, it's very obvious that you're not supposed to walk there. It yeah. is mostly water. It is like that lowland but constantly flooded swamp where there's very little flat surface to walk on. And do you know in a swamp when the tree literally comes out of the water? Yeah, 100%. That is where the moths live. And like that's where they – so if you were to even try to get to these communities of moths – you are risking it already for that biscuit, and you want you are you're treading where you don't belong. Mm-hmm. And you 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 made it a point that the water like is you. What did you say about the water earlier? You were like, and that water is the water like, and because well, it ties into the idea of now now now. Here's where I'm going to put an important uh, disclaimer. Okay. Bing. Hey everybody, Jeff Stormer here from all my fantasy children. We're having you know, a lot of fun. <laughs> we've had a lot of fun here today, but uh, I do want to remind everyone about one of the core principles of all my fantasy children, uh, and that is, don't at me, you fucking nerds. <laughs> I don't actually know if water is considered a mineral. Uh, I don't know what like category water <laughs> it's a, is considered. Well, it's a combination of elements. It's right, I wasn't sure, like, because I know there's like there's like the like animal, vegetable, mineral, which I don't also know if that is like scientifically a thing that still exists or if that is outdated terminology. I believe that water is a compound, by the way. Okay, but um, like the idea that like um that like you that like this dust lands on the water. And like the water itself could rise up and like grab and like turn into a fist and punch you in the mouth. You know what, Jeff? You know what makes that really more interesting though? It isn't water. This is something other than that. This is some kind of sludge, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. that is what makes Haven more even more dangerous. This is like 
one of those places where in like a you know a fantasy tabletop combat driven game i wink and it shatters my monitors um people like what you would hear about haven more you'd be like we gotta go in there and kill everything but mm-hmm. like this is level 99 shit like you do not go to haven more it is malls of haven more it's like you know there's books about it that adventurers people buy books um in re- in our world to play their fantasy game in Haven Moor. And, like, the water is very much more like Flubber. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or, like, mm-hmm. an ooze. It's got, it, it's pond scum, is the yeah, best way to describe it's an, it. Like, a, it's a bucket of pond scum is yeah. like the entire thing is scum. Love it. That is cool. Okay. So, the even, okay. So, I'm going to nerd out on this even more. That means that the, the, the water itself, it gives the illusion of being water because it's a carnivorous algae that's looking to lure in prey and consume it. That it, Maybe mm. everything in this forest in Haven Moor that glows, everything has become a... Everything works in symbiosis with each other to be like, don't fucking come here. Like, you know, it's going to grab a fish so or I, a bug. I have a, but... I, have a different, I have a different way to, to pitch that. Okay. Um, uh, here's what I want to propose. The swamp itself is is a perfectly mundane, just swamp. normal Cla- swamp. It is a classic. Swamp. The this this bioluminescent dust has covered a great deal of it, and yeah. like the moths, if a moth feels threatened, it can just kind of like activate whatever powder is near, right? Mm. Like in the way that like if like phosphorus is lit, like all, any phosphorus that's around like gets lit. This this moth like sends out the signal, and stuff starts coming to life. Yeah, but, you're basically describing like earth magic or geomancy yeah. whatever you know but what i want to say like the th- the very cool thing the very cool like natural thing that that comes from that is i want to propose like thinking about pulling on some like some some fantasy tropes and fairy yeah. tales and things Hell specifically yeah. if this is a if this is a a swamp where like supernatural phenomena exist mm-hmm I think about this a lot in terms of, like, the the kind of, you know how in nature, like, animals will accidentally live in symbiosis. Yeah, of course. That, yes. Th- that That's kind of what I'm visualizing is, like, for for other beings that live in this swamp, that is a very natural defense. Yeah. It keeps out your capital A adventures. It yes. keeps out invasive species. It and there's that 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 symbiosis that you're talking about that idea that everything is kind of built around like stay out it is it is because there is an ecosystem to this swamp and by virtue of these moths having this natural defense mechanism that protects their nest they've built a natural defense mechanism that kind of protects anything that comes into this swamp i love it yeah i love the oh i get it and that's why it's called the haven moor is mm-hmm. because it is this safe place for the, the things that the things yeah. that live in here it, it is it is safe it is it is safe for the things that live in here and you know you don't like the the the, the word is you don't go to haven more and this is this is peeling back the curtain a little bit if i may yeah um hitting on one of the themes that we hit on a lot in amfc that i think is a very good one it is possible to walk through haven more and be completely undisturbed of course if someone if someone lives in harmony with the land, if someone if someone acts in harmony with the world around them, that is like you will go and you will see things and animals and supernatural entities that like exist nowhere else in the in the universe. Yeah. And all you have to do is be 
gentle and be a part of this space. And if you are not that, a tree is going to climb out of the earth and grow <laughs> arms and box and punch you in the face. It literally grows massive quads and crushes you like those vines with watermelons. <laughs> so if you <laughs> if you fuck up, if you fuck up, a bunch of pond scum is going to form uh is going to form like a giant green lantern hammer and, and smash, smash you. you in the head. So, can I make a pitch then? Um Yes. Are there those who have learned over millennia to walk among and live in the Haven more. Oh, 100%. I think so. Can we give them a cool title? Yes. Give me a second. Hold on. I'm going to look up synonyms and stuff. Words for glow. I want to call them the Lumens, but that shit's taken. I want to call them... <laughs> I want to call them the Moth Wings. Oh, okay. The moth, wi- the moth Wings are a community of dwarves. Dwarves, please. Good. I was going to say the same thing. Perfect. Yeah, they're a community of dwarves that, like live in this swamp uh and i picture that like live in this swamp near the swamp among this swamp that developed like a sense of community with the the beings in this swamp like they 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 can walk among them and they've they they, it is you know they they live in harmony with this swamp yeah and it's i I like it and i think it came from a place of over time you would learn that the 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 moths and the the algae and the lichen and the water and the everything these you know the plants will not bother you if you don't take more than you need is the thing like you can eat that fish that has bioluminescence on it but should you have i feel like there is like you said it is a bit magical mystical if you are doing that for greed or for profit or something like that not just for survival yeah you're going to get fucked up by some lichen but if it's you're just taking what you need you can you can kind of bask in the glow of the phosphorescence as well. You know, you can be protected by it as well. Does that make sense? Does that work? Uh, uh yeah, I want to yeah, I want to expand that into cuz like the the theme that we've been hitting on in this episode that I really really dig is this idea of being one with nature yeah, and this idea a of like order and balance even in fantasy. I I I almost love the idea that like there is because you had kind of floated this and like we kind of both kind of touched on this a little bit of like this idea that like you can extract this this powder yes is very cool and i i want to say that that is a thing you can do of course and i want to say one of the lessons over the years that has been like one of the common pieces of wisdom that has like supported the 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 moth wings in their like as their community uh, among their community is like you have to learn the signs of the powder, like the bioluminescent powder that is from a moth that has left. Like, like learning the, the little tiny, like if I look, if I look closely at a patch of this bioluminescent powder, if I see a fish and it's swimming and I look at it and I'm like, it's glowing, it's, it's green, but it's a little bit silvery. And it's got this kind of, you can see it like as it kind of swims through the water, it's like it, the, the powder on it has this sort of spiral pattern on it. That moth flew away six months ago. Mm. That fish is that is a perfectly safe fish. Like that fi- that moth is not that is not that that fish is not in service of a moth currently tending its nest. That moth flew away. I'm grabbing that fish. That powder is is you can see it's green and it's got sort of like it's got sort of black specks on it. That matches that nest right over there. We don't fuck with that until those moths have left. I love it. And it's it's the idea that you're you're just like this community is really just hey, we respect this thing. We live in peace with it. We live in harmony with it. Like, 
I know I know the signs of like when I am about to overstep my bounds and and encroach on someone's encroach on on the livelihood of the guardians of this this swamp and I'm not gonna fuck with that. May I make a big pitch? Yes. They are the moth wings. Have they learned nature magic in the way of the moth? Can they not as well, but can they use the bioluminescence to not the word manipulate, I mean, in like a tabletop sense, like use plant magic. I like that. I like that idea. Because it's a catalyst. It's different. It, yeah. it makes me think more full metal alchemist where like there is some, there's a go between there. I almost, there's almost, I almost picture it as like a, a, a level of science, right? Like yeah. I picture it almost oh, as like. very more alchemical. It's alchemical. Yeah, it's, it's alchemical, right? Like it's, like we said, like any moth can use this, right? Mm-hmm. Like if in a pinch- any moth, the moth will usually spread its own dust, and but, like, if there happens to be dust on hand, like, a moth can pull from it. Like, there are very, it's, it, there's a science and a study to it, so it's not just, like, I am feeling something in my heart and conjuring it. It is, like, I understand the things that happen to make this thing do the things that it is supposed to do. Yeah, it's not so much magic, it's, it's a mix of both. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking more of it's more akin to something where you're just using science. It'd be, you know, having uh, your fingers be matchsticks tips. When you snap them, it would create a flame. It's much more akin to that where you're using, you know how to, you've basically learned whatever the fuck moths are doing magically, you know, telekinetically, or is it it's something else to just kind of mimic that. You are just mimicking yeah. moths. Right, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are practice. You are doing this thing. You are, you are, you are engaging in. You are doing the thing that this this particular animal does. You have, you have found a way to use this this chemical that it has produced. I love it. That's very cool. That's all I got. I was I was um, trying to build towards the thing. I don't have it. How do you? Can I, I? I have ideas about if I may how the moth wings began how there is a small society within the Haven Moor um, is very interesting to me because is it, I oftentimes like the trope like where it's pseudo Gilligan's Island where it's like people got lost, people got trapped and they decided to set up shop and learn how to live in this, you know, inhospitable place and make it hospitable to them. Or is it just there's always been dwarves in the Haven Moor? I, I really like the idea that there's always just been Me dwarves. too. Like that that's just like, this is just where this community grew up, right? Like, yeah, I, I, because I, I like the idea. Like, one of the things that we've talked about, we talked about it last episode, is like avoiding the idea of the monoculture. Yes, and so the idea that like these dwarves didn't come from somewhere; they are not the dwarves of another culture. They are no. simply the moth wings, and they have yes. simply always been, always been among this space. Is yeah. very is very cool and very compelling to me. That their phrase is, in fact, dust to dust. They believe yeah. that they are literally made of bioluminescence. They are from the bioluminescence. And perhaps, it, is it, Jeff? This is going on, this, I'm reaching, I'm going on a limb. Is it the thought that um, their actions are not determined, but sort of like a more of a fate or deity feel their actions are dictated by the moths, no matter what I, you do I in was life. Actually, I was actually going to take that in a more direct uh, direction, so I, I'm happy that you said that. Yeah. Where Here's it's what of, I want to throw out. Okay. Oh, please, go finish your thought. Yeah, like the idea that um, if, if you believe you are dust, you are dust to dust, because in our world, it's like we, we always have these very flowery language, but it's like, no, elves were like 
from the moon. They're made of moonlight. Dwarves and geode came from rock. Are these something where it's like these dwarves came from the lichen being covered in phosphorescence, mixing with water, mixing with plants, and it created life? And they are the the mothwing dwarves. You I like know. that. And what I want to say is is that gives me a very cool kind of idea. Okay. We we had talked about like the things that can be possessed by these by these moths. My thought is that um, it's sort of a cultural note that if the, the the top of the food chain in this in this region is the moth, moth is king, baby. You know, powder rules all. <laughs> <laughs> It's 1985. <laughs> Powder rules all, baby. Um, their their main city is called Studio 54. Wow, um, wow. No. <laughs> but <laughs> oh god, no, no. Um, but what? But I'm not cutting that because um, that's funny. Um, what I will say is that it, it would become this cultural thing where. You know, maybe perhaps the the moth moth wings, right? It was moth wings. Mm-hmm. Moth wings. The, the moth wings believe that you know whatever their actions are, whatever their decisions are, whatever your fate is. There's a line that's blurred, whether it's your own actions or it's the moths, meaning whoever decides what's best for the forest is deciding your path, your choices. They are dictated by the moths. So it is like very dust to dust. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna roll with that a little bit because there's a, there's an idea that popped into my head that I think is cool. Please, I almost want it to be like a, a a a cultural a cultural norm, a cultural belief, and I say that, and I also want to float out that like when I say that that there are also plenty of people that buck against this. There are people that 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 walk away from this. Oh, but of like, course, yeah. I like the idea that like within this community, it is a a, a commonly held standard that. Though you cannot personally be possessed by the by the the powder of the moth, you kind of have an obligation to to at times act as though you were, which is to say you have an obligate like it is our ah. obligation as someone as someone that lives here. Good. We are not like I am not I am like there is no chance that I am animated because I am a sapient being that like makes my own decisions. Yeah, but. If, if somebody shows up and they are causing a problem, it is our responsibility. Like we have we have the ability to make a choice. Yeah, completely. And thus we must choose to do the thing to protect to protect this space and protect those in it. Like we have this this is we have we have this obligation to defend our home. By virtue of, like, we have been allowed to make this our home. Yeah. That is a very staunch, it is, it is very environmental. Like, we've already said, like, living, living, being at one with this environment is very important to this community. Yes. Active and aggressive defense of that community, of that nature, of that, like, of that natural order of things is hugely important. And I, I really like this because there is this very – it is what you would describe as a delicate ecosystem. Yeah. If the moths all died out, that, that play, the, the Haven Moor is done so. Uh-huh. So I believe that, in my opinion, the, uh, the dwarves of the, the moth wings kind of idolize and look up – use the phrase step up. And it made me think of being like the plants are willing to throw themselves in harm's way. These yeah. moths are willing to, you know – Use a part of their literal anatomy, this dust, this bioluminescence, to keep themselves safe. 
it is our obligation to do, and that keeps us safe as a result. You know, yeah. you can't just rely on the sh- the cattails to beat up people when they walk in. It, it we have to step up and do our part as that well. Is, that is quite literally why they are why why the community has become known as the Moth Wings is because if we if the moths if the if if the moths need it we have to we have to take flight and encase ourselves we have to spread our wings and wrap them around the forest ourselves yeah like if if the moths if the moths require it we we also have to step up spread our wings and go to battle like it is this idea of like of like this is this is this is part of our job this is part of what we do is to act as an ex like we have to consciously choose to act as an extension of this this natural sort of this natural sort of protective presence that has existed in this space we have to choose we have to be that ourselves and if someone wants to harm this space well then they are trying to harm us and we have to step up and and do that i like this very much um i have to say about haven moor the community of the uh, mothwings there are very elaborately created uh, homes in the trees because, as we said, the ground is mostly water. So it is very uh, rope um, – what do you call them? Like swinging suspension bridges. It is very hanging pods. Like your home is literally on a rope that dangles above the water. You know, a lot of fishing in the community, a lot of lichen harvesting. But I'm thinking amongst the trees – but more so like suspension tree houses rather than just like li- you don't live in a tree. It is a tree house. What do you think? Now, no, I like that. I like that a lot. I think it's cool. <laughs> what were you going to say? I have to know I was going to say that maybe the dwarves are also just amphibious, but I was like, they also did that last time. You, well, I mean, it's it's something. So I will say then. Uh, so I can. You can, can no, go ahead. Good. Okay, so what I was going to say, you said amphibious, but we did it last time. It's something, though, that you have to consider. If we're going to do this the way we say we want to, is the dwarves would have natural advantages to fit their environment. If they've been there since the dawn of fucking I like, time. I like, I like this idea. So what I want to propose is, is, and I almost want to, pro- yeah, what I want to propose is that, like, the moth wings just can live in the water. Like, yeah. like some of them, like, it's, it's, and it's, 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 it's that, um... It's that choice, right? Like, I think there is another, like, commonly held cultural belief among this community that, like, you, that, like, your choice is important. And, like, is it is, it is that that choice is important. That kind of ties into that obligation of, like, you have to choose the thing that helps, that benefits the most people. But that means that it is important that you choose, right? Like, like, you don't defend something out of obligation. You defend it because you choose to. And that, that that extends to a sense of like if you want to live in the, if you want to live wholly underwater, you find a space underwater and you live. If you want to live in the tree, you live in the tree. If you want to fish, you fish. Like those details of your life are very important because there's this commonly held belief of like if the time comes, you have to make that choice. Yeah, of course. I like a big pitch about the dwarves themselves. Mm-hmm. We as like you know fantasy writers often think very humanoid features. I'm thinking more akin to something shaped like we don't know what dwarves look like in fantasy in terms of like build, but I would say it's more akin to mostly moss, plants, and lichen in a form. More akin to Swamp Thing, Shape of Water, or a ghillie suit. Yes, I love that. And here's kind of where I want to roll with that. Okay. Because the one thing that we do know about like the dwarves that we'd introduced in the past 
the dwarves of Geode is we said, like, crystal is a big part of their, like, physiology. Yes. This, the big part of this physiology is exactly like you said, and I think it is specifically bark. Ooh, I and, like that like, a lot. And, like, dead wood. Yeah. And like the like ghillie suit like ghillie suit fuzz is a, like like those those kind of details are very cool that for the literal natural look of it like a naked dwarf yeah. imagine a naked mothwing it's more akin to a tree bark ghillie suit swamp thing cool like very I love this a lot I love this so much I'm very excited for these nature magic wielding moth-winged dwarves because could you imagine if you were like okay we're set in a fantasy game i really want to be someone who's a moth-wing and you're like mm-hmm. all right what do you look like and you're like well it kind of looks like i have a ghillie suit on all the motherfucking time but that's just my face <laughs> i love it i, think it's I cool. see very tree beard mixed with yeah. swamp look like yeah. oh that gives me happy feels i like it i Fuck. like it is that a wrap? Do you want to wrap? I think it's a wrap. I think it's, I think a, it's, a, wrap. it's a little bit of a short one, but I think it's a wrap. Oh, it's going to be like 50 minutes with this. It'll be fine. But um, dang, I love them. So thank you so much to Landon Meyer for your prompt. Uh, Landon Meyer used our email to send in the prompt. Uh, the moths, the mark of Haven Moor. And I'm Jeff, I'm really happy that that's what we came to was literally just building a swamp and it's talking cool. about some dwarves. Um, if you'd like to submit a prompt of your own for our show so that we can do this and collaborate with you and make dope shit, there's a lot of ways that you can do it. You can email them to us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. You can go to bit.ly slash AMFC Discord and post them in the prompt submission channel. You can post them on Facebook at facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. Or you can post them on Twitter at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasychildren. Boom! Um, if you're on the internet and you're browsing around and you're like, gosh, I wish there were more podcasts about tabletop that the creators didn't hate me personally. <laughs> you're in luck because there's a really amazing podcast about two-player role-playing games that's created by someone we know really well. Jeff, do you know what it is? I don't because you added the caveat <laughs> that the creator doesn't hate you personally and so now I'm lost. <laughs> now I don't know who the fuck it could be any of these million dollar shows. Party of One is an actual play podcast focused on two player role playing experiences. Every week I sit down with a friend, we play a two player game, we share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every Tuesday at partyofonepodcast.com and if you also like actual play, and maybe you've got maybe you've got kids, maybe you're a kid at heart, maybe you just want to hear some cool role-playing game systems we played, maybe you're a fan of the campaign podcast and you want to hear more of the world of Spear, there's another podcast that you can check out. Aaron, do you know what podcast I'm talking about? I do. It's Skyjack's Courier's Call. It's a show that I'm on um, with Ali Grauer, Palomi Pratap, and Drew Mergieski, where we play a bunch of kids and set in the world of campaign Skyjack's sphere, uh, delivering the mail and going on magic adventures. But it's really cool if you're young, young at heart. If you got little ends and you want to introduce them to podcasts, actual plays, and have something to bond over if you're a tabletop nerd, try add them on Skyjack's Courier's Call. It's good for, I would say, like... Start them at leg eight. Eight is good. Start. There's no swearing. There's no violence. It's all good. You're safe in that department. And I'd say come hang out with us. It's a lot of fun. We're kickstarting right now uh, season two. I don't know when this is going to come out. Maybe before it's over. Who knows? But if you are, find our season two Kickstarter and throw some money at us so we can unlock even cooler tiers because already Jeff and I have unlocked, we've unlocked two episodes of All My Fantasy Skyjacks where Jeff and I are going to go on with Drew Mergieski and James D'Amato of the famous One Shot Network and we're going to create lore in Sphere and one of the episodes, at least, will be real dumb, where we talk about soda or something. 
I'm very excited to introduce the world of spirit mascots. I'm very yep. excited. I, I already kind excited. of have some notes uh, that's going to fundamentally uh, invalidate a lot of what has already happened on campaign and yep. campaign skyjacks. There's going to have to be a tremendous amount of rewriting that's going to have to go into the details that I'm coming into this recording with. We're and I'm very excited about it. Yes, there's going to be a lot of moments where Jeff and I pitch huge ideas and James goes, that was a lot of fun. None of that happens. <laughs> it's, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Um, but yeah, check it out. Skyjack's Courier's Call. Anyway, Jeff, do you have a verbal hug for our listeners this week? Some words of wisdom, some feel-good things. We end every episode with a verbal hug where we kind of tell you wisdom that we need right now or that we've heard recently that helped us out, and we pass the savings along to you. So, Aaron, I do have a verbal hug for you this week, and it's separate from the secret one that I just gave you that no one will ever know about. <laughs> we will never um, share. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we're, uh, uh, you can hear me trying to keep it together after oh, what I just shared with Aaron. Um, here's what I want to say. This one, is, I'm coming at this one from a very specific uh, direction, and it's one, we're not one that we always go off of, but I think it's one that's really important. And I want, uh, if you're working on a project, um, set boundaries for yourself. Oh. I think you deserve it, and I think like it is something that is very often. It can be very often seen like there's there's a lot of fear around like setting boundaries and saying like this is my this is this is this is the the line at which like this I I demand this level of respect. Yeah, I my don't know what that hug, means. <laughs> my verbal hug is that you deserve that level of respect. You deserve the ability to say uh, this is going to happen to me or this is not going to happen to me. And if it does, like, my, our collaboration is done. Like, you all, and it also kind of extends to, like, if you are making a project to say, like, I'm not engaging, like, this is, this is a level past which I will no longer engage with this project, right? Like, the ability to say, uh, I'm, I don't ever do this. And this is a, because, partially because this is an area that, like, I've set my boundary and it's past this point. But, like, to say something like, I don't answer emails after six o'clock, mm. right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or to say like, or to say like two very good examples, uh, from my own work is like, I, I, am I set a boundary of, this was years ago. I think actually technically this was the day that we recorded our first AMFC together. God damn. I, I put in place a cancellation policy for party of one. Where I said, if you are 50, if you are 20 minutes, like, if I have not heard from you from, I, I've said it at 20 minutes, but and that's extremely generous. But, like, if if we start a recording, if it is 20 minutes after a recording time, like, that recording is not happening. Yeah, I, that's a good one. Like, if you come back to me 30 minutes, I'm like, I've already moved on with my day. Like, I can't start my thing half an hour late. I'm happy, to, like, and, like, I'm happy to talk about that after, but, like... That's a boundary, right? Like that yeah, is me setting a boundary and saying like my time has to be respected. Another boundary I have that I've kind of recently like been thinking about is like I need people like I, I need collaborators on projects to not expect me to do all of the the work in understanding the nature of the request. The phrase that I always use is please learn what it is I do before you ask me for things. Yeah. That is a boundary, right? Like that is me saying if you don't if you don't fulfill your part of the deal, like we are not going to work together. You deserve to have those boundaries in place. Like that is that is that is you exerting your worth and I promise you, I promise you no matter what you are working on whether it is some small thing or whether it is a world-changing project, like you deserve that you you are worthy of those boundaries. You are worthy of giving yourself that space 
Uh, that is not that is not you being demanding. That is not you overexerting. That is not you asking unfair things. That is you saying, "I am a person. I am a person that is worth this, and I will be and and to show me respect is to act on these things that I have requested." I love it. I I dig that. I I think that everybody should learn from that, especially me. Because I don't say no. Um, but but anywho, I think you, Aaron, should say no more. <laughs> I know, but I like opportunities. I know, I do. I'm, Honestly, Aaron, I'm so I fucking do too. thirsty for opportunity, Jeff. Yes, that's a little secret I'm to not, you, listeners. I'm not. I mean, same. Like that's why we make this. That's why we <laughs> make true. this show. But like, I think it's 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 important to know that you can say like no to stuff, and you can say like, hey, this is my line. Yeah, I know. I I know. It's something I'm no, trying to. I'm literally I'm, learning now. It's hard. It's just it is. Hard. It's 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 a t- it's a thing that took me years to learn. Yeah. So I'm on the beginning steps to that. Mine, uh, my verbal hug for you, and it's quicker. Um, we have a thing on the show that uh, if you're new, the elves of Moon Crescent fall into periods of high and low tide, meaning the times of low are weak or weary times of high you're at your peak of your strength you're feeling fucking incredible and a cultural thing in moon crescent is elves in high tide take care of those in low because at any time the script can be flipped and the roles will be reversed so my point is uh if you're feeling bomb as fuck and you feel you're on your shit you're feeling prime time you are feeling like a, a god a fucking pinnacle of yourself you're feeling your best self whatever that phrase is you know you're feeling yourself but if you're feeling that, reach out to people you like who might not be and check in on them. Take that mm. p- mm-hmm. that energy that you have and help a motherfucker who might be feeling terrible and like a fucking piece of shit because they need you right now. And you have energy mm-hmm. to fucking spare. So spread that shit around. Be generous. 100%. 100%. I just swore so much. I've been so conscious of it. Everyone doesn't encourage call stuff. But I don't give a fuck. This is my show. Um, so... Yeah, use that spare energy and, you know, use that time to give it to other people. Don't just hog it all for yourself. Use some of that, you know, there's those skills. I always laugh at those skills in MMOs or RPGs where you heal yourself and if you overheal, like if your HP is 50 and you heal yourself for 80, it distributes that 30 HP through your party members. Think of it like that. Distribute that extra healing points to all your party members who might be a little wounded right now. Boom. I'm tabletop god. Um, But anyway, that's all we do on this podcast. Is that all we do? Yeah, that's all we do. So until next time, (laughs) good good night night and good game. game. Prepare yourselves for adventure. The Mark of Haven Moor. Your quest begins in a tavern. A tavern Wait, like any- hold up. We're running the Mark of Haven Moor? That's like a level 40 campaign, and you told us to bring our characters from last session. Come on, I just got the book from Alloy Comics, and I really want to try it out. Let's play! I can't handle the monsters in Haven Moor. My highest Nogs and Nasties character is only level 6. Can't we run like Shadows of the Haunted Forest? Shadows of the Haunted Forest would be awesome for a full party, but it's only the two of us. So I figured I could just, like, let you just be level 45 or something, and you go through the Haven Moor. But we don't have to do an adventure through the Haven Moor. We could just, like, sit and world build it out. So when we do have a full party, it's, like, our version of it. 
just world building. Like we change what's in the book. That does not sound very entertaining for two people to just sit and world build. You sound like everyone who only plays nogs and nasties. You're right. You know, there was a bunch of stuff in the book that I was not in love with. It's just like a swamp with moths. I kind of wanted to, like, add some things in. And we can. It would be like our version of the Haven Moor. After all, all this stuff in the book is just stuff about the real Haven Moor reskinned for the game Nogs and Nasties. We could definitely do better than they do. Hmm, okay, okay, I fucks with that. So what I didn't like about the zone itself is it's like just a regular swamp. All the enemies you encounter, they're all just like plants. Like, give me some monsters and stuff, right? Right? Like, show me some creativity here. Whoever wrote this is obsessed with cattails and lichen. So what if there were, like, um, ancient ruins or something under the swamp? Like, a submerged city of old. God, I fucking love that trope. Right? Right? Like, sure, keep the plants and stuff at the start. Easy initial stuff to battle through. But when you get to the ruins, that's when you're seeing traps and puzzles and, like, you know, monster monsters. Okay, this is way more fun than just playing Nogs and Nasties from a book. Right? Yo. What if we made this into a podcast? Why? Why must everything you enjoy become some sort of project? Just enjoy things. I'm so sorry.